to embrace the weakness that we have. That our habits may become forming to run to him. To delight in him. To go to his word expecting for God to meet you there. To run to the Lord in prayer, in deep prayer. That you may hear the goodness of God's voice to you. Satan is about us, wanting to exploit your weakness. His his strategy is too simple. But it's all something that we all know too well. God wants you in your weakness to focus upon your weakness. Sorry, Satan wants you in your weakness to focus upon your weakness. Satan wants you to see that when you are weak, that God himself is far from you. And the more we believe in him, the more our faith gets confused. The more we believe that we can do nothing at all. But God is just simply waiting for you to draw near to him. In the fullness of your weakness, even when your heart is accusing you, just go to the Lord. Rest in the Lord. And let him show you that he is the loving father. Now, don't be that person who simply knocks on the door of heaven, peeks in and says, hi, God, I'm here. Afraid that God does not have time for you. Afraid that God will not listen to you. You peek in and say hello, and he just close the door and go away. Just open the door wide. And you'll see your Father in heaven waiting for you. Go in and rest in your weakness. Rest. In our passage today, we we see the love of Christ in the midst of truth, in the midst of tumult. We see that in this passage that Jesus himself is the fulfillment of Isaiah 42, a messianic passage by that great prophet, foretelling of the coming Messiah who will bring justice, who will bring justice to Judah and Israel, who will judge those who are against the people of God. But there's something sweet about this Messiah that has been foretold. This Messiah has come to make sure that all things are made right. But this Messiah is also one who is gentle. 
as it goes about proclaiming the goodness of God, as it goes about proclaiming God's judgment and God's wrath. He also goes about proclaiming that there will be a day of redemption, a day of salvation. The picture here of a bruised reed that he will not crush, or the picture of the, of the, of the waiting flame that he will not snuff out. It's a picture of how Jesus himself or the Messiah himself will come through bringing judgment. He will do it with a spirit so gentle that he will not crush those who feel the weight of God's wrath. Gently walking through the meadows, seeing the broken reed, a reed that is useless. But Jesus, in the midst of his wrath and judgment, it will not break. As Jesus walks amongst the people and sees the, the candle that is about to burn out, just a, a flickering, flickering orange flame. God walks carefully not to snuff it out. This is the picture of the Messiah that we have. A Messiah who comes to his people proclaiming that, yes, all of us need to confess our sins that we may receive the glory of God. But he does not do so to his people in a way that weighs heavenly, heavily upon us. But he does so gently, softly, tenderly to you and to me, that you may return to him. and receive the forgiveness of sins, the redemption of your souls. You know, it's, it's interesting when I talk to many of the parents here. Oftentimes, they'll, they'll tell me that they don't want to be like their parents. But it's hard. Because the way that we start to parent, we, we mimic what our parents have done. And oftentimes we here who are mostly second gen Asian Americans, we were probably raised with our, with our parents raising their voices at us, attempting to try to get us to move in a certain direction. And perhaps most of us could admit that if our parents did that, we probably wouldn't have listened anyway. But many of us here today have, have, have promised ourselves, if you haven't already promised yourselves, that I won't be that type of parent. I won't yell. I won't scream. I will not let them, I will not allow my kids to simply hear and feel wrath. But I'll be gentle to allow their hearts to to come to their senses, to know that dad knows best. 
or mom knows best. But we see how difficult it is even for us as as human beings not to raise our voices and, and exclaiming what is right, what is just to our children or to one another. We are impatient wanting people to change by using tenderness and softness. But that is not our God. That is not our Savior. You see, here in this passage in Matthew, in the previous two passages before this, we see Jesus talking about what it means to, to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. His disciples were hungry. They were growing through the grain field. They were picking the grain and they were eating it. And the Pharisees were there and saying, why are you allowing your disciples to, to break the commandment? Thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy. And Jesus goes on and says, listen, don't you remember that when David and his men were hungry, they took from the tabernacle and they ate. And then there's a man with a crippled hand who, 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 who wasn't able to, to, use his, to use his hand. And Jesus goes before him and heals him. And the Pharisees again say, why are you doing work on the Sabbath day? And Jesus then continued to heal more people. And Jesus' heart is to do what? To win people over with gentleness, with mercy, with love. For to keep the Sabbath day holy is, is not one of of, 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 uh, of merely following it for the sake of following it. The purpose of keeping the Sabbath day holy is to bring glory and worship unto our Lord. And it was because of Jesus' gentleness that Isaiah 42 was ascribed to him. Brothers and sisters, many of us feel like that bruised reed or that flickering light. We feel as if our faith is on the precipice and we feel as if God has left us or even worse, we feel as if we have left God. But deep down in the recesses of your heart, you you know that the Spirit is within you. It's almost impossible for you to say, I can't be a believer anymore. You've run away before in your lives, and, and you know that the only true place of rest is God himself. You've lived a life of sin, But you know that the only thing that satisfies is God himself. And you, perhaps like the prodigal son who's who's run away, who's asked your father for 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 your share of the inheritance, who has basically, basically said to dad, dad, 
to me, you are dead. Give me your inheritance. Let me do what I want. But you come to your senses. And that bit of faith that you have, God will honor, for he gave that faith to you that you may see him. That bit of faith is your beacon of light to return to him. God has never left you. God has simply only allowed you to go away for a moment. If this is you, know that the Lord is simply waiting for you to say, I'm here. And he will run to you. A beautiful, a very pragmatic picture. I shouldn't say beautiful. But a pragmatic picture that, that I like to draw is simply this. When the Lord saved you, when the Lord called you, it's like he put a giant rubber band around you. You and him. And when you're in that covenant, in that rubber band, you could try to run away. But that rubber band will always snap you back to the Lord. And the further you run away, the harder it'll snap. But that rubber band will never break. God's covenant love for you is assured. For those of us who might think, you know, I, I need to reach a certain part in my Christian life to serve him well. And I'm speaking to those who are going through officer training, but also for all of us who are, who are looking to serve this church. There will never be a time when you will say to yourself, I am fully ready to serve the Lord. Remember when the Lord called Moses to, to lead his people out. Moses said, send someone else. Send someone else. I, I can't do this. I can't even, I, even speak well. Get someone else to speak for me. God gives him a staff to, to do miracles. And in the end, God relented. Don't misinterpret this. But God, by his grace, said, okay, I'll let Aaron talk with you. But that wasn't his initial plan. But God used someone like Moses to bring about the redemption of his people. Think about David and Goliath. Who did, who did God use to, to overcome the Philistines? Not the strong, the strongest of the Israelites, but a little boy who simply trusted in his God. Israel itself as a nation was not a strong nation. But Jesus chose Israel to show forth his power. And my favorite, my favorite picture is that of Israel when they were leaving, leaving, uh, leaving Egypt. 
and they were in a hurry because Pharaoh just said, okay, go. And so they, they took everything they could with them, but they, you know, they, they had wheelbarrows, they had all their housing stuff, and they were leaving, and they were going out forth. It was, they looked like, well, they were refugees. But you know what scripture calls them? The army of the Lord. Because God went before them and God protected them from behind. It is in weakness, brothers and sisters, not by our own strength, not by our own power, that we can serve the Lord himself. We often think that we need to bring something to offer to the Lord. There's nothing we can offer to the Lord. Everything we have is His. We are not to sit around and think, I need to create worth in order to offer to the Lord. Everything you have is from the Lord. Our mindsets should simply be give to the Lord what he has already given to me. And in weakness, and heavy relies upon the Lord serve him. This is important for our church. This is very important for our church. This is very important for the, the holiness, the purity, for other people to, to see outside that we are a church of God. Why? For us who are members of this church, when we have these officers who become elders, this is a wonderful and high office. Don't expect them to be supermen. Don't expect them to be men with unusual powers. But in their weakness, pray that they can simply serve the Lord well. See them as simply people of flesh who've answered the call of God. Love them, pray for them. And those of us who are in positions of leadership, it's just the same way. There's nothing in us that allows us to, to share the word of God, to run a church. It is not as if our members are, are less than we are. We're all weak. And we're all seeking to make God's name known in the midst of us. Praise be to the Lord that he's allowed this church to grow in weakness that his strength may be seen. And lastly, You 
know that, you may know now that God will not crush you. He will not allow that sin to to destroy your life. But the reason why he can do that for you is because your Savior, Jesus, was crushed. Your Your Savior, Jesus, his light for a moment did go out. As he experienced the full, truthful, and deserved wrath of God that we as sinners should have experienced. He paid for it all. Everything. He bought you at a price and he not only called you those my, my, my believers but he called you my brothers God calls you my children you belong to him there is no more casting out of those who come to know who know him there, there never actually was why? because Christ was cast out for you That door has closed for all who call upon his name. And so, brothers and sisters, we run to Jesus and him alone, and we rest in his salvation, and we rest in his love for us. Who here amongst us is strong? There's no one. Who here amongst us is weak is all of us. Let us rejoice in our weakness that Jesus may be made known. Let us be weak so that we can be strong in him. Let our church as a whole with with all the roles that we play and all the ways that we serve, let us do so in weakness and have holy reliance upon him that people will see us as a ragtag bunch of people. They might look at us and underestimate us and say, there's no way they can do all this stuff for the Lord. It's like, you're right, we can't do anything. May they see that the Lord himself is the king of this church. Let us pray. Lord, we confess to you that we are, we are weak people. But we also confess that we are people who are very proud. We want to earn our salvation. We want to feel as if we made retrib- that, we, that we were able to do what we needed to do to earn your trust again. Father, there's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can offer you. The only thing that we can give unto you, Lord God, is our brokenness, our sinfulness. And we thank you that in Christ Jesus, you are willing to forgive and you are eager to heal.
Lord, it is by sheer grace that we are loved by you. Sheer grace that we are forgiven by you. And it's by sheer grace that this covenant relationship with you is one of peace, one of joy, one of quiet satisfaction, and one of eager longing, Lord, for the perfection of our lives, of creation, and your return. And so, Lord, I pray, we pray that as a church, as individuals, as families, and as the entire body of Christ, that we would lean into our weaknesses, that we would help one another, Lord God, to, to bring them to you, that we would rejoice, Lord, when we see one another and see this entire church, Lord God, serve you. Lord, just thank you for your wonderful, wonderful love for us. Thank you that you were broken for us. We ask of you, Lord God, with the faith that you have given us, no matter how small, may we come into your presence to be forgiven and healed by you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.